0: Good morning.
1: Hallelujah. Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. Hallelujah. What a great day that we have to celebrate the Lord. We're so glad that each of you would choose to be here with us today. There are places you could be and so many other things going on. But thank you for choosing to worship with us today. We believe God has something special for your life. And uh, so we've uh, worked real hard and prayed and believed in God for this service but as we get into this this morning, we're going to be talking about who do you say I am. But before we dive into this, this is Resurrection Day. the day that we celebrate. This is the most important day. Everything we believe hinges on this day. Because if Jesus did not rise, we have no hope. But I'm glad that He is risen, that He is alive, and we can celebrate today. Today's celebration day. This is resurrection day. The day we remember the one who conquered death for all and carried our sins to His cross so we could be free. Amen? Thank God for the cross. Father, today we thank You for Your amazing grace. Lord, we thank You for Your love for us. Father, we thank you. You loved us so much that you determined that you would send your Son to be our Savior, to become our Lamb, our sacrifice, the one who would have our sins placed upon Him, the one who would carry our sickness, our grief, our pain, the one who would be smitten for us and fully sacrificed. For our freedom. So today we thank you. But Father you didn't stop there. You purposed that he would not die. But that he would conquer death hell and the grave and that he would rise victorious and you ordained it to happen and as sean said it was a setup you set us up to be delivered you set us up to be set free you set us up to live victorious you set us up to be the redeemed of the lord and we thank you for it today we give you praise in jesus name and everybody said amen amen so how many of you are glad that He is risen? Amen? Hallelujah. Woo! Come on. Give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is risen. And we're so thankful for that, that He has conquered death. And we think about it. One of the greatest uh, burdens of being a pastor is having to do memorial service for people. If you're not sure where they are with the Lord. But when you know that somebody is a believer and they go to be with the Lord, it's not a grief, it's a celebration. It's kind of like, could I go too? Amen. (laughs) How about, well, we'll move right along. Stay with (laughs) me. Hallelujah. But I'm glad that He is our risen Savior. And you know what's great about Jesus? Is that out of all the gods of this world, He is the only God and the only Savior. Who loves enough to die for us. Think about that. Out of all the gods, all the religions, all the faiths that are worshipped today. There is only one God who loved us enough to die for us. To bear our pain, our guilt, our shame. I love that picture even though it's hard to look at. Because it tells me. That when I see what He endured, how can I ever doubt what He secured? He endured the cross, but He secured our victory. Come on, when you're believing to be healed, just get that picture out. When you're believing to be delivered, just look at that cross one more time. When you're believing for a breakthrough, when you're believing for God to bring an answer, just look at the cross one more time. Because the cross declared, it is paid. Come on, if that isn't enough to pay for it, woo! I believe it's paid in full. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so He is risen indeed. Our Lord is risen Indeed, and I'm thankful for that. Amen. So this morning we want to approach this maybe from a little different perspective We're going to ask you the question. Who do you say I am? The greatest question ever posed to all of humanity for all times Never will there be another question posed to rival its gravity and its consequences In life we have lots of questions that we face, but there's never been a greater question posed to all of humanity that rivals the question that we're giving to you today. Who do you say I am? All of our lives are filled with many weighty, serious, and life-altering questions that carry great significance and can have life-altering impact. Questions like, what will I do? Almost every one of us asks in life, what am I going to do with my life? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What will I do? And we make gold. Where will I live? How will I live? I said in first service, if Jerry Brown keeps it up, I'm gonna consider pastoring in another state. No, not really. Half the church going, I'm out of here with you, pastor. But where are we gonna to go? Tornado Alley? Whoa, I don't think so. You will go, but houses are cheap there. Yeah, you get a new one every three or four years. Well, sometimes cheap isn't always wisdom. Where will I live? Who will I marry? How many know you don't want to get that one wrong? Who will I marry? Then what about, when will I be noticed? When is someone going to notice me? When do I get my shot? When do I get my chance? That's important. What about, how will I spend my later years? How many got old without preparing for it? How many of you are lying? <laughs> Amen. The rest of the house. Amen. Yeah, age sneaks up on you. How will I spend my latter years? Most of us have ideas of what we want to do, but that's an important question. All are valid, important life questions that need to be answered correctly. But who do you say that I am? Will not only alter your life, but it will determine where you spend eternity life questions are important but this is an eternal question no human being will ever face be faced with a more poignant question with such eternal ramifications than this question which Jesus posed to his disciples who do you say I am as we get in this this morning Matthew 16 is our text that we're looking at and it says when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples saying Who do men say that I the Son of Man am? So they answered and said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And how many know today, you can have discussion with lots of people, and there are still lots of opinions. That day is no different than today. People still have opinions about Jesus. I've talked to people, I believe He was a good man, He was a good teacher, but there are lots of good teachers. So, some people think He was just a man, He was a great teacher, He was a prophet one of the prophets but the question is is he the son of god that's the important part and so jesus says who do you say that i am that's nice that everybody has an opinion but what is your answer And simon peter answered and said you are the christ the son of the living god now i want to talk to you for a few moments just about the settings this question, Because where they are, the Bible says that they were in the region of Caesarea Philippi, an amazing area that they're in, and especially for this question to be posed in this area. <coughs> Here's Jesus <clears throat> with his disciples, and he's asking them the question. And Peter, being the spokesman for everybody, how many of you have ever been in that room where there's always one person that's the spokesman for everybody? That was Peter's with the disciples. I'm sure there are many times that says, hey, Pete, why don't you give somebody else a chance? you speak, let somebody else. But that goes that way sometimes. Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But this area is important, and we all have to think about where will we be when the question is asked of us? Where will you be when that question is asked? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say I am? So the question is, why now at this time, nearing the end of his ministry? And I believe that because by now, they should know. How I many you know if you've been saved for a little while, there's some things you should know? We should know here. Some things should be settled about your faith. How I many we should just be settled that God is our healer? We should be able to look at the cross and have so many questions settled at that point. We should know that we know that we know. Convinced. Beyond being able to be unconvinced. Amen. No matter what it looks like no matter what we'll walk by faith and not by sight We should know and so after two and a half years, coming to the end of his ministry at the very end of his ministry He sits down with them. and He's asking them the question. Who do you say I am? But why in this place? See Caesarea Philippi is in the region known for and filled with pagan worship. Representing a stronghold of the world, opposition they would have to face as they lived out their life, as they lived out their faith in Him as their Messiah. This region represented where you and I live every day and where His disciples would live you look at this picture of it, Caesarea Philippi, it, it, this was the, the day when Jesus was there, this is where they were, this was the setting, they were off to the side, of this, but this was the region where they were on this hillside there, below Mount Hermon there, there's this area there where caves were, and we'll give you this detail in just a moment, but these temples had been built there, and it was a seat of pagan worship. Let me give you just a little history about this. Caesarea Philippi originally was known as Panaeus. After the Greek god Pan, the conquest of Alexander the Great in this area imported Greek language and culture everywhere he went because this is the area with lush vegetation and streams of water that flowed through the surrounding region. It was identified as an ideal place to worship the Greek god Pan. Pan was known as the god of shepherds, flocks, and nature. This area became known as Panaeth, which means Pan's place. According to the pagan mythology, Pan took the form of, being that, uh, of a being that was half human and half goat and played a flute. This flute became known as the Pan Flute. Legend has it that Pan was born in a cave. At the base of the ascending rock quarry, here Paneus is located, where Paneus is located, his caves, where the waters flowed from and on through the surrounding area. Some considered the places where waters flowed out of caves as entry points to the underworld or the abode of the dead in pagan mythology. Nevertheless, the waters flowed from the mouth of the cave at Penaeus on down through the surrounding areas and they made for a beautiful life-giving area. In the side of the high rock walls next to the caves are hallowed places were carved out, and crafted idols of Pan were placed on display of worship. A little bit hard to see, but you can see some little arches there in, uh, around the temples and up on the side. And they would go up there and they put these little, little ones in there, and you've seen them maybe in other pictures of places. And so they would place that there. In front of the mouth of Pan's cave, a temple was built to honor and worship Caesar Augustus. The waters that protruded from the cave would have flowed through the temple as a symbol of life. How many know Jesus talked about rivers of living water? That he is the water of life. He told the woman at the well, I have water to give you that you would never thirst again. The waters protruded from that cave. Next to the temple was a court that honored Pan, and beside it stood another temple to Zeus, the king of the Greek god. So you got a temple to Caesar, you got a temple to to Zeus, and you got this little courtyard out here to Pan. Where they have all this, room. and Jesus they are in this Serenity. This is the region where they are, and and all this is around them. And they're going, Jesus, is going, who do you say that I am? And they go, well, some say you're this, some say you're that. And he says, who do you say I am? Because your answer will have to be lived out in this setting. Amen. But see, it became Caesarea Philippi. Because in Jesus' day, paganism and idolatry were at every turn of his life. Temples were no longer remained today, but that cave is there, it's now a tourist site, people go there. But what happened was, when Herod the Great died, his son Philip decided that he would go to this region and build a temple to Caesar. But because he was so, so egotistical, and then he renamed the area Caesarea. But because he liked being a king too, and having his name, he named it Caesarea Philippi. He tagged his name on the end of Caesar. And so it was called Philip's Caesarea. And this is the place where Jesus is asking the question. Because you see, our faith must be and will be lived out before the gates of hell. And that's what that region was known as. It's amazing. We're going to read in a minute that Jesus said, and he says to Peter, and Peter says, You are the Christ. The next thing he says to him is that Peter, you are now the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Those caves into that wall and where that would run, they believed that was a doorway into the underworld. That they were literally standing at what people recognized. When Jesus didn't just make up the gates of hell arbitrarily, this is a region that represented that. And he says, my church will be built, and it will prevail against the very gates of hell. And so while you and I make the choice and we live for Christ in the world, in the region of Peneath, we need to know that we are living and serving a conquering king. Could you say amen this morning? Hallelujah. So that's where we live in the world where everything is worshiped except God. So the question comes up, could this be the Messiah? Could he be the one? The question's been asked by many then and now. Could he be? The woman at the well, after her encounter with Jesus, John chapter 4 tells us that she goes, left her water jar and went back to the city. She told the people, come with me and meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be? The people left the city and went to meet Jesus. So the question comes up, who do you say i am and it's answered best by people who had an encounter with him. watch this first clip about a disciple
2: we were walking by the gates of hell not the not the literal gates of hell but the, the ones at Caesarea philippi where the uh, where the pagan worshipers had their idols we're walking by and we are we're nervous, our, our hearts are beating out of our chest because we're Jewish men. This is not our place, we don't fit in. We're wondering why we're there. And Jesus stops and he looks at us and he just asks this question. Who do people say I am? Okay, well, we think uh, Bar- Bartholomew, he spoke up. Bart said, some people say John the Baptist. Someone else, I don't remember who it was, said, some people say a prophet. Someone else said Elijah. And then Jesus just interrupts us. And he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? That's, That's a big question. You don't want to get this one wrong. So we're all sitting there in awkward silence. And Peter just starts pointing. Nothing's coming out of his mouth, just pointing. And then it just came out, you are the Christ. And Jesus, just smiles. When he smiled, It just. Anyway, that's, that's when I, I noticed that the whole time we had been talking, Jesus had been, been digging in the dirt. He would do that. He stands up and he's got this stone in his hand. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you're right, I'm the Christ. And, and then he looked at Peter and he said, you're the rock, a rock on which to build my church a church that will be so strong that not even the gates of hell will prevail against
0: it. So,
2: who do I say he is? I saw things that to this day I can't explain. I experienced a love so deep that it changes you from the inside out. He is the Christ, and like he said, he's coming back to rescue us. And nothing can stop him, nothing. Not even the gates of hell can stop him.
3: There is a truth. Older than the ages, there is a promise of things to come, there is one born for our salvation.
1: Thank you, Jesus, for your life, your love that you've given us. Amen. See, the disciple said, I've experienced his love. And he's the one I've chosen to follow. Even before the gates of hell. You can be seated if you like. Knowing it could and will cost you. Your life. The disciples knew that confessing Christ in that day meant to confess Him as King, as Lord. And to declare anybody King and Lord other than Caesar was a penalty that carried death. For you and I today, we live in a country where it's easy. But there are people in other lands, even in our day, that know that confessing Christ and becoming his disciple could mean that it could cost them their life. Then there's another person that had an encounter with Jesus. He had a great need in his life. That moment he had heard about him. He thought maybe this could be the one. The name was Bartimaeus and we've heard the account many times. Matthew 20 it says and as they went out of Jericho a great crowd followed him and behold there were two blind men sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was passing by they cried out Lord have mercy on us son of David the crowd rebuked them telling them to be silent but they cried out all the more Lord have mercy on us son of David And when you answer this question correctly, and you know who He is, you can be in a time of struggle, a time of controversy, a time of great need, and and you need to just know that sometimes you need to get a little louder in your cry. Sometimes you just need to cry out louder. You need to cry above the noise and the confusion and the clatter and the doubt and the unbelief and the voices that are around you and just call upon His mercy. Amen? because look what happened. It says, "...and stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you?" See, He's the God who not only hears, but He's willing to stop and to answer your question and mine. And He answers the question with the question, what do you want me to do for you? I'm convinced of this many times we miss God, Because we don't answer back. We're waiting for God to move sovereignly in our life when he's asking us to be specific. What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Bartimaeus declares he is the Messiah.
4: You first have to understand the noise, the, the crowd. I could hear that they were close onto the road. And, and not just because I had great hearing to make up for my blind eyes. I mean, this was a roar. People cheering and clapping and singing as they got closer to me. I tried to listen as carefully as I could, see if I could make out what they were saying. I knew that they were coming my way. See, some of us sat by the main gates where most people would come and go. I know people by how they walk, whether they drag their feet or not. And every day I just sat there, waited for mercy. But I, all I could do was listen. Suddenly, I realized that they cheered for him. Some grumbled, even speaking his name. Others said he was the Messiah. But a handful of them had had witnessed him healing people. I crawled closer to the road, afraid that I might be trampled. I, I could hear that there were A lot of people coming. Is that him? Is that the teacher? Anyone tell me? Is it him? And someone said, yes, it was Jesus. And to this day, I I can't explain it, but I just yelled. I yelled louder than I had ever yelled. Son of David! Have mercy on me. He heard me and he, he came over to where I was and asked what I wanted to see, and then everything. I had always hoped to lay my eyes on. Was there, before me. I followed him that day, and the next day, and the next day. What amazed me was, it seemed like the people that could see the best were the most blinded. As for who I say he is, one day, I was yelling for him to heal me. Now, here we are in Jerusalem, yelling to all those who have ears to hear that he is Hosanna in the highest. He is the Messiah.
3: From my mother's womb, and you have chosen me. Cause love has called my name. I've been born again into your family, and your blood flows through my veins. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I'm no longer
1: lives you change us heal us you deliver us Jesus your Messiah our healer our savior our deliverer and we love you thank you Jesus hallelujah think about that what do you want me to do for you that question can change your life in just a moment that question what do you want me to do stops God Jesus stopped the son of God is now asking you what do you want him to do for you hear it again he's the God who hears our cries and stops to answer them amen so good thank you you know just a little bit earlier in John chapter 10 two of the disciples came to Jesus in verse 35 through 37 you have the account that James and John come to Jesus to ask him to do something for them so they said Jesus we want you to do for us whatever we ask said okay And he replied to them the same way. And I heard one commentary on this that, that, well, I'm a little hill of myself. He turns to them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Same thing he said to Bartimaeus. But only he said it to them first. And they said, Lord, we would like for you to grant to us that we could sit one on your right hand and one on your left when you come into your glory and so their desire wasn't to be healed it was to be positioned for glory they'd been following him for three years and if he's coming into his kingdom they want to be positioned for the best opportunity some of us have been in that situation around people jockeying trying to position themselves for an opportunity and Jesus just says I'm sorry guys that's a question I don't have the authority to answer Only my Father does. James chapter 4 says this. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. And it's always important if you're going to ask the question. To ask the right one. Amen. If you're going to make the request. Make the right one. Because wrong motives never receive right answers. Amen. And then. There's another account. A woman has a dream about Him. And we live in a day when so many people have had maybe an encounter. I wouldn't say an encounter, but maybe an experience with God. Have heard things about Him. Maybe even had a dream. Maybe in their night the Lord's tried to talk to them. Reveal Himself to them. But see, when Jesus comes into our life. He comes in such a way that He challenges everything we believe. Everything that we found security in or trust in. And it can turn and change our life. Completely revolutionize our life. Matthew 27 19 is one such person as Claudia, Pilate's wife. And it says when Pilate was judging the case, his wife sent him a message and said leave that innocent man alone. I've been very upset today because of a dream that I had about him. Watch the account, Claudia.
5: It was just a nightmare. Or was it? These dreams, they won't leave me all the people to have dreamed about him. Why me? Call him what you want, a criminal, a lunatic. All I know is this, Jesus claimed to have a direct connection to God. Nightmares, they came with a message. What do I do with this message? What if the nightmares came from the devil himself? to thwart the plans of the man they say saves souls? What if it came from an angel? Saying his time had come to rule the world? I did the only thing I could do, even though I knew it could cost my husband and I our privileged positions. My husband have nothing to do with that man, Jesus. The city was already heaving with people from the Passover. The Jews surely would have rioted. I can only pretend to know what real power feels like. For I'm only married to it. Does innocent blood run warmer on his hands? Does regret steal his sleep? Whatever the case, he did not listen to me. His followers say that he will come back to life. Let me assure you, there is no coming back from what he succumbed to. Who do I say that he is? This man who stood stoically as he was beaten, ridiculed, and tortured? Who claimed things I'd never seen another human being claim? Who talked peacefully, as far as I could ever tell. I have no idea who he was. But it doesn't matter. He's dead.
6: The final word, the cross has the final word, sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final word, the cross has the final. The cross has the final word Evil may fill up its strongest fight But the cross has the final word Fuck.
1: Since the multitudes who heard about Him, maybe even received dreams, but couldn't bring themselves to receive Him as Lord. How do you respond to someone who comes and supersedes everything you have ever heard and known? And someone who challenges everything you have ever believed? for her to accept Christ and people of that day, it was to change everything. And that's where maybe some people struggle today. Like so many through time, she was convicted in her heart, but not convinced enough to receive Him. Conviction don't have anything to do, but to receive Him, that's something else maybe you're like Claudia today accepting Jesus in your mind means giving up too much to you because he can only be accepted as Lord nothing less for her to accept Jesus as Lord for Pilate to acknowledge him Pilate, who is in so much trouble with Rome already because of his, his oppressive rule there and the, the, the turmoil he had created, he's already been told if you create one more incident, if there's one more revolt, if we have to quell one more riot that you start from your hard-handed rule, you're done. You're, 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 you're gone. You just lose your status. You, lose your, you will lose everything. So for him to accept Christ and now we're here in the city in this feast day and, and it's fuller than it's ever been and now there's this riot before him and this turmoil and this one man is causing it all and he has to decide how am I going to respond to him? He says, I have too much at stake. And is thinking this changes my whole life to do this. To accept him as Lord. That's a hard thing. It's hard to choose God. To allow him to be Lord of your life. But how many are glad that the cross has the final word? Amen. Amen. They declare there may be people who are here today and maybe around the world that still have a hard time believing in what we're celebrating today that Jesus truly conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's able, He is our risen Lord and our Savior. And when you just say yes, there is power. Paul said it like this that I want to know him for who he is but I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen. Then another woman had a little different encounter. A woman named Mary Magdalene came into an encounter with Jesus. There's something about encounters that are different than it experiences. Encounters are transformational. Encounters are revolutionary. I can look back on my life and I remember my encounter with Jesus. I remember what it did to me. It changed my life. I remember walking out of that room. I didn't have an experience. I had an encounter with God. God met me in a prayer room. I just... Opened my heart to Him and with all my baggage, everything I brought, He lifted that off of my life and set me free. Rising up from that place of prayer, the only thing I could do is with the rest of my life, choose to live for Him. Listen to Mary's account of her encounter with Christ.
7: It was quiet when we approached the tomb. Days before, there was noise wherever we went. Crowds cheering, sometimes yelling. But now in front of his tomb, just silence. I had gathered all my spices and oils intending to anoint the body. When I got there. He was gone. Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, he rescued me. And I followed him ever since. All the way to his death. There was the tomb. And it was empty. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned, and there was a gardener. And I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus' body. But I reckon. It was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice and I knew him. I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me, shouting like an excited child. He did it. He did it.
8: He he really did it.
7: To think that I had come to an anoint a dead man. And I left with proof that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, sorrow, sin. Definitely not death. I say that He is. I know who He is. Oh, I know who He is. He said that He would rise. He most certainly is risen. He is the Savior. He is. He is the one true God.
6: I was lost, I walked away. The road was dark, I could not see. My hope was gone, the pain was real. But your mercy, you saw my steps, you felt my fear. You heard my cry, you caught my tear. My hope is gone. You granted me with Your mercy, Your mercy, Your mercy. I stand before my King. And bow my heart to sing, you saved me, you raise me, you died so I could live, no greater love than this, your mercy. Beyond the grave, my deepest shame is cast away. You sing a song that covers me with your mercy. Your mercy, your mercy. I stand before my king. And bow my heart to sing You saved me You raised me You died so I could live No way to love your mercy Your mercy I stand before my King Your mercy. Loving kindness leads me to repentance. Loving kindness leads me to. Repentance Lord of your Kindness Let it lead me to Repentance Lord of your Kindness Let it lead me to Repentance your kindness, let it lead me to prepare. I stand before my King and bow my heart to sing. You saved me, You raised me, You died so I could live. No greater love than this, Your mercy, Your mercy. I stand before my King and bow my heart to sing. No greater love than this Your mercy Your mercy I stand before my King And bow my heart to sing You saved me You raised me You died so I could live No greater love than this Your mercy
1: You're here today, and God brought you here for an encounter with His mercy. You can marry a woman possessed with seven devils. Jesus sets her free. She can say, He's my Redeemer. So the question is, Have you had an encounter with Jesus? How has it impacted your life? Changed you? For Mary, she would never be the same. Never the same. She would never leave Him. Ever. That's why she was there. When everybody else fled, her life was so changed. Nobody else would go. Nobody else had the courage. But she found herself at the tomb. Why? Because she had found more than a lover. She had found her Savior. An encounter with Jesus, that's what He comes at. He comes as our Savior. Come. Not just somebody who meets temporary, even superficial needs in our lives or tender needs. He comes. To be our Savior, to be that answer. One last person to look at today. And maybe, as I said, maybe you're here for an encounter today. Going to church doesn't mean I've met him. It means I've just where he is. The crowds of that day were people all around Jesus. Even the story, while. Well, Multitudes were pushing on him only one person really reached in and touched him and She received an answer Maybe this is your day For that encounter. I feel like the Holy Spirit is really pulling on somebody's heart But there's one other person His name is Matthias and we don't hear about him a lot. He was Chosen while they were waiting for the day of Pentecost. He was chosen to replace Judas Many times our encounter with God changes our lives. We wonder, God, what's my purpose? What am I to do? And I found this, that if you just say, I will follow you. I will serve you. I will live for you. Then he has a way of showing you what he wants you to do. Mary said this, he said, you know what? He taught us that my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And I know this, I, I can tell you, I've heard God's voice down through the years and he is faithful, amen? amen? He leads us. Watch what happened to Matthias.
0: Sometimes our future, it's just chosen for us. It's nothing we ever intended or we would even dream of. It just takes us by surprise. I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes. I saw Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist. I saw him heal that blind man. Uh, He he cast demons uh, out of people. And that little girl, he raised that little girl from the dead. I talked with Mary when she came back from an empty tomb. And I was there that night that Peter wanted to replace Judas. And it came down to two people, Barsabas and myself. And we would cast lots to decide. I was devoted. There's no question about that. I trailed him wherever he went. I watched his every move. But this, God would either call me or he wouldn't call me. Either way, I knew I would never be the same man again. And then suddenly, it was me. God chose me to be one of the 12. Amazing. And it was almost like a whisper. Sometimes your future is just chosen for you. And I knew what I had to do. The answer was clear. I would not just watch him. I wouldn't just trail him. I will follow him. With complete abandon, I will trust Him completely. I will go wherever He goes. I will love God. And I will love others. And I will lead.
3: the hope that leads in you? The passion that tore me like a rose? The promise that rolled back?
1: who stayed the course found their way that upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit and then answer God's call for his life maybe today you declare like him that Jesus is your Lord you're going to follow him you're going to love him love others witness for him amen amen As I close. How will you answer this question today? Who do you say He is? Have you experienced His love? Have you been touched by His mercy? Have you been skeptical of who He is? Do you desire an encounter with Him? Or would you dare to be His disciple and follow Him? I encourage you, dare to be His disciple. When it comes to defining Jesus, preaching, putting messages together, how do you describe the undescribable? How do you declare who He is adequately? There's times I wished I was gifted with more grace in my speech. But I found someone who is, and let me tell you who he is to me. He is my king, he is my savior, he is my lord, but listen to it in a way that is profound.
9: The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews, he's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Hey. I-, I wonder do you know it? <laughs> my king <laughs> is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere he's available for the tempted and the tried he sympathizes and he saves he strengthens and sustains he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleans the lepers he forgives sinners he discharges debtors, he delivers the captive, he defends the feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the age, he rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him, he's the key to knowledge, he's the wellspring of wisdom, he's the doorway of deliverance, he's the pathway of peace, he's the roadway of righteousness, He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is is efficient, his reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. That's my king. Yeah. Woo! Yeah.
1: You serve a resurrected Lord. You stand with me. When you know it, when you know, there's nothing like it. And every time you hear the story. It's like the first time you heard his voice. first time you felt his pull at your heart. Maybe you're here today. And on this day, the day we remember that your heart was worth His love. Maybe this day is your encounter. day. I'm not asking you to bow your heads. They have the lights down, I can't see if your head's up or down. That's alright. I'm asking you, did God bring you here today for an encounter Maybe like Mary, maybe like me, maybe your life needs to be set free. I needed to be set free. Jesus set me free. Maybe you need that encounter with this love. If you know God brought you here today, I would love to pray with you. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. If you're here today and you need an encounter with Jesus, as they begin to sing, would you just be bold enough? The first path to following Him is a step towards Him. Before you can follow Him, you have to move to Him. I invite you today just to come we're going to sing and as they sing I invite you to come God brought you here for an encounter with him maybe to get you past all those reasons you've held back but today's the day he brought you here and conviction has moved you to that place that you're convinced of his love for you today you choose to accept Him. I'm going to wait to see if there's anyone here. So as they sing, we open these altars. I'll meet you right here to pray with you. If you come.
3: When I see that cross, I see freedom. When I see